Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. You know, I thought after five years of doing this podcast that I knew everything about you. But uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. There's always so much to learn, Amy. I'm a deep pond. Yes, yes. And in this uh, best of episode we're throwing back to today, we ask each other burning questions like, what was your first job? And what's your favorite candy? And actually, I re-listened to it uh, before. And, and there was all this stuff I com- had completely forgotten. Like, you're a super sniffer? You self-identify as a super sniffer? I, super I, sniffer. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that before we get started. So a super sniffer is a person with an extremely enhanced sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Now, I have not gotten COVID. I guess I should knock on wood. I'm like the oh, right. last, exactly. last person standing. I've never gotten COVID. It would really test that ability of yours. But I really was intrigued when... I learned that one of the main symptoms of COVID was losing your sense of smell because it's not like, I mean, for a regular person, it's hard, but for me, it's kryptonite. I mean, this is my greatest skill. I am a super sniffer. Like many um, superhero qualities, Amy, it's a blessing and a curse. That's what I was thinking. I'm not sure if it is more good or more bad. How do you, how do you put it? Yeah. Like I, I, I smell like I can, I'll say we smell smoke and then five minutes later, everyone smells smoke. I mean, I, I just have an extremely enhanced sense of smell. And smell and taste are linked. So I don't know if my palate is really good, but I just have a very strong sense of smell. And my husband, what's the opposite of a super sniffer? He's like a under sniffer. I mean, I'm just always like, don't you smell that? It's something smells weird. And he's like, nope, no idea. Like he's a He's a dead nose. Mine I don't an, know what to call him. Mine is an underhearer, you know, like when the dog like scratches at our bedroom door. Like it's just like Oh yeah. I mean, let me just tell you that's that has nothing to do with his ears. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's a stance he's taking. Yeah. Husband's yeah. ear, my he's, mother used to. He call hears. It. He can he could hear that scratching if he wanted to. So anyway, this episode is full of absolutely incredible things you never knew about. Margaret and me. Full of revelations, and we hope you enjoy them all. Happy listening, friends. It's a radio picture that has a very, very predictable ending. (laughs) What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You know, judge me if you must. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Why do I have to do everything? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I like a lot of attention. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today, I was like, let's just do something silly and fun for this episode. Okay. Because I feel like we need a break from everything. And so today's topic is burning questions. And Amy and I are just going to ask each other things that we don't know about each other. We've been doing the podcast together for four years, so we know a lot of things about each other. Yeah. And the aim of these questions is to try to get at things we might not know about each other. I was pulling up my burning questions. Okay, I have a few burning questions ready. I'm not sure I have the assignment. This stuff always stresses me out. I'm like, do I have the right kind of burning question? I texted Margaret yesterday. I know. Amy kept texting me and being like, what's his burning question? And I'm like, Amy, just anything. It's okay. I was like, give me a hypothetical so I have something. Amy likes the kind of topics that are like, part one will be this, part two will be this. And I'm like, "Eh, let's just wing it. Burning questions. So we'll see how it goes. It's a little more free form. All right, you go first. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
I'm so old that I'm trying to think of like somebody who would be relevant. I don't have one. <laughs> you don't have a celebrity crush? I don't. Tell me who yours is and maybe one will come to mind. I'll give you my oldie lock celebrity crush first. Back in my day. My original celebrity crush of my lifetime was young Pierce Brosnan. Now, a lot of the young folk out there know Pierce Brosnan as, what's the guy? The crime fighter, you know, spy. James Bond. Remington Steele. But that's right. I go back to the Remington Steele days and there was a mini series that was called, I think, like Taipan or something. It was one of those like, I mean, this is so 70s. In the 70s, there used to be these like epic novel kind of like spy thrillers, like everybody was writing them. And they made one into a mini series. And I was like 13, maybe. And I saw one starring Pierce Brosnan. And I like cut pictures of him out of magazines and made collages with them. Like he was my huge celebrity crush. I was obsessed with him. I never went that level with anybody. I can think of two. I have thought of two. One is Idris Elba, who's that's like so cliche, but it's true. He's so, so handsome. How did I miss this guy? Everyone talks about Idris Elba. Like I've never seen him in anything. What am I missing? Oh, The Wire. Why don't you watch The Wire? It's not suitable for with kids and you should watch it. I am not kidding with subtitles because it's about drug dealers in Baltimore and they just talk so quickly. It's hard to get what they're saying. Watching it with subtitles saved us. Idris Elba plays Stringer Bell in this and like the kingpin. Okay, that's it. I haven't watched The Wire, so that's it. Oh, he's amazing. I mean, he's amazing other things, too, but that's what got me in the Idris Elba train. I was like, I must have missed something. I missed some cultural moment because he's a guy everybody talks about, but I haven't. I don't know who that is. The Wire is the best television show I ever saw. It's really good. I started it once and I'm going to have to wait till in the after times because I started it once in regular times and I found it too depressing. And so, I mean, I know I'm going to have to wait on that one. I know other people who've tried it and like, but I'm too tired. Like, no, 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 you have to be patient. And, but it is so like rich. And that's how Michael B. Jordan got his start too. If I was like 25 years younger, I'd say he was my celebrity crush, but he's like a cute little boy to me. He's your celebrity child. The other celebrity crush I would have is the guy from Bridesmaids, like the cute Irish guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. He's just our style. What's his name? I can't remember, but I can picture him. Cute Irish guy from Bridesmaids. Yep. Yep. So I'll say that. My huge current celebrity crush. It's a little bit of um, what's the word? It's off the beaten track. But Tom Colicchio, do you know who that is? (laughs) Kind of. He's like a bald chef that's on all the chef shows. He's a bald celebrity chef. I've always had a thing for bald dudes. Always. That's always been like kind of wide set bald dudes has always been a weird type of mine. And he's a wide set bald dude with a handsome face who can cook. I'm like, he's my perfect person. Okay. David knows that if I get a shot with Tom Colicchio, it's all over for us because I love him. I really, really love him. How about Aladdin's genie? How do you feel about Of course I love Aladdin's genie. That's exactly my type. Wide set bald dude. And it's funny because I'm not married to a wide set bald dude, but that's always been a type that I find like Pitbull. Like anytime you see like a square shouldered wide set bald dude, you're like, that's the perfect person for me. I got a good question for you. Hit me. What's your favorite ride at Disney World? Any of the Disney parks? I'm not a huge Disney person, not hugely on my radar. So... I know a lot of ones I don't like. I don't like the weird <laughs> boat with the animatronics. That's all of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not really for me. There was a, what do you call it when there's like a myth that goes around and everyone believes it, but it's not particularly true. Urban legend. Yes. In my town, we had, uh, growing up, there was a place called Playland. It's like a small amusement park. I mean, it's pretty big. Where prices go so low, 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 low. Yeah. Prices go so, Yeah. East Coasters, you all know Playland. So that was really close to us growing up. So we would go there and there was a boat ride called the Old Mill. And there was a rumor that a couple got bitten by a water rat in the boat. And that, I mean, I heard that rumor when I was like six years old. There was a million, there was also, I mean, Playland was the kind of place that threw off a lot of urban legends. There was always like, you know, two nuns flew off the Mighty Mouse and died. Like it was was like, you look back as an adult and you're like, why would two nuns be riding the Mighty Mouse? But it was a place that spawned many an urban legend. And so when I was a very young child, someone told me that they got on the old mill and they realized there was a huge water rat in their boat and it was biting them through the whole ride and they couldn't get off. Wait, you have firsthand knowledge of this or somebody? No, no, it's an urban legend. I'm sure it never happened. Okay, yes. Playland, did you? Let me just say, this is, I'm sure not true. Playland, you know, (laughs) don't come after us. Like, this is an urban legend. But ever since then, I've had a fear of 
small boat rides. And so Disneyland, too many of those for me. Yeah. We went to the one in California, which is Disneyland, right? Yeah. And there was a cars ride with like really cool replicas of the cars cars that was kind of like half roller coaster. That was a great ride. Okay. But I don't know. I'm not into Disney World. I love Disney. I'm not a like... I didn't like go there for my wedding or anything, but <laughs> but I do. I'm always up for a trip to Disney. I would rather go now. I mean, we actually had... I always said, we'll go once with all the kids. And so then I have three kids and the youngest was too young. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to spend all that money and she's not going to remember it. So this year, then Star Wars Land was supposed to open. My boys are into Star Wars. So we kept pushing it back, pushing it back. This year was the year. I mean, we saved for a year. We had a fund every time we made any money. It would go in the Disney World Fund. So September, we were supposed to celebrate my son's my oldest 12th birthday at Disney World. And we canceled, obviously. So we're hoping next year. I would go as an adult more. Life feels like dragging the kids around is kind of a drag. Oh, it's so fun. And I have a friend who goes for the Epcot Food and Wine Festival every year with a group of adults. And I heard about this. I'm like, can I come? Like, I don't know any of you guys, but I will punch in for that. Yeah. I mean, I have no hate for Disney World or land in my heart, but there's nothing that comes to mind when you say, what's your favorite ride? Okay. What's your desert island meal? One food for the rest of your life. Oh, God. Something Italian. I'm going to say chicken parm with spaghetti. Mm, That sounds pretty good. Do I have an oven there? I mean, you just have, for whatever reason, we haven't really established. You're on a desert island and no one will rescue you, but a plane does drop you chicken parm every day. Yeah. With a cheese nicely browned? Yes. Exactly the way you like it. Exactly the way you like it. Why they don't pick you up and bring you to shore? We haven't quite solved that problem. Oh, I have another good show. The Wilds on Amazon Prime. What is that? Again, it's basically Lord of the Flies now with teenage girls instead of teenage boys. It's very good. It is not for kids. There's lots of mature content, let's put it that way, but it's very well done. If you like Desert Islands. The Wilds. I've never even heard of it. We watch (laughs) one episode of Top Chef every night. That's all I can handle right now. Okay. It's like, did the green beans turn out or not? That's all I can handle. Okay. I understand. I can't follow characters. I can't get invested in people's problems. It's too much for me right now. If you could have one kind of candy for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. You know what we're really realizing? We're not into each other's stuff because I don't care about candy. Yeah, I don't like candy. If you said to me I could never have candy again, I'd be like, I don't really care. If I could only have one kind of candy for the rest of my life, it would be frozen mini Snickers bars. That's one thing I do really like. Okay. Like the Halloween size, you mean? Like the like sort of fun size? Yeah, fun size. So it's like a bar. It's not the square. Those are horrible. It's the bar size. It's a fun size. Why are the square ones horrible? They're too small. The snicker, the chocolate to nougat ratio gets all off in the tiny ones. You've got to have the small little, but like a huge Snickers bar. Who would ever eat that? It's like six days worth of food in a bar. But a small frozen Snickers bar. And I can probably eat 10 of them, which is the same as eating a big Snickers bar. But at least I don't feel bad about that. Which is the one. So there's like Snickers, Milky Way and Three Musketeers. And like you can barely get daylight between two of them. Snickers has the peanuts. Okay, so I understand that's a separate thing. I mean, Snickers are amazing and Milky Way and Three Musketeers are trash. Like, they should not exist. One of them is just nougat. I think that's Three Musketeers. That's Three Musketeers. They're horrible. Has two ingredients. Horrible. It's like a chocolate-covered pillow. It's awful. (laughs) Yes. And then Milky Way has the... Milky Way is Three Musketeers with caramel, which doesn't solve the problem of eating a pillow. It's horrible. You need the crunch, the sort of, yeah, you need the the mix, the yin-yang of the pillow and the crunchy peanuts. What's an absolutely forbidden food for you? What do you mean? Like, you really wouldn't eat it for a $100 bill. Beets? Beets. I mean, everyone hates beets, I think. Do you like beets? I mean, I don't really eat beets, so I guess not. They're gross. They're slimy. They're red. Right. They were never on our childhood table, not canned, not fresh. I feel like it's a thing now. I feel people are into hipsters like beets, and so now everyone's into beets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's duck breast with beets, you know, at a restaurant or something. I'm like, what? No way. I don't think I mind the taste of them, like if it was a beet sauce, but like that gelatinous, like ring that cranberry sauce look yes i don't want any gelatinous foods like cranberry sauce is gross but like beets are they just like a giant radish and like there's something about canning them that makes them into that weird purple saucy thing or that they always sort of slimy and purple i honestly don't know amy this is why we need your research i have no beet facts available to me at all (laughs) i don't really even know what a beet is i know 
that they're gelatinous and kind of gross. What's your desert island meal? I never got that answer from you. This is a hard question because I love food so much. But my desert island meal is definitely in the Asian family of foods. It might be like a sushi roll with like tempura something on top and a little like creaminess because that hits a lot of my Asian loves. Like an aioli. And then I would like some pork fried pan dumplings on the side. So it's like a full meal. That would be me. You know, I had this conversation recently with my 16 year old. If you could only eat one sort of cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I was like, easy Italian. But then he brought me over to Asian because there's so much variety within that. He gets very mad. Like he gets very mad at Asian fusion restaurants. He thinks that they shouldn't exist because that's not a thing. Oh, (laughs) I love Asian fusion restaurants, but I love everything Asian food. But when you come down to eating one cuisine for the rest of your life, he's like, no, it has to be Asian because look what you got. You got the sushi, you got the Thai food, you got the noodles. I'm like, okay, you're right. I'll come with you over to the only Asian for the rest of my life. Yeah. This is like a classic dinner table question and we get in long fights about it. Amy, what was your first job ever? My first job ever. Oh, I know this. Now that I ask it, I know it. But go ahead and tell people because I remember this. I worked as a secretary at my parish rectory after school, starting in ninth grade. I did it three days a week after school. Had to wear, I remember I had to like, look nice. Like I had to be business casual, couldn't wear jeans. I typed the bulletin on a typewriter, like put long strips of paper into the type, what it should say, and had to start over if I messed up and counted the collection and had dinner with priests made by a chef. What? How old were you? I was 14. How were you not like embezzling money? You know, I mean, come on. They trusted you with that. You were a good girl. I didn't actually count the money. Back in the day, you'd like put your name on an em- Your name would be on the envelope and you'd write that you gave, you know, $5 or $20 or whatever it was. And I counted those and I kept track. That's pretty impressive for 14. Mm-hmm. Good girl. Mm-hmm. My first job was as a Baskin Robbins scooper. And it was a pretty bad job. It was fine. It was always like, you know, stoner teenagers in town were into Baskin Robbins. It was a fun group of people. And I did get pretty good at making a ice cream cake. Baskin Robbins wasn't a thing where I grew up. So I was going to ask you what's your favorite Baskin Robbins flavor. But I realized like you can still tell me and all, but I won't know if it's good or not. I will tell you because people think it's gross. And it is not only my favorite Baskin Robbins flavor. It is the only flavor of ice cream I really eat and enjoy. Every once in a while, a scoop of Haagen-Dazs vanilla on like another thing, an apple pie. But the only ice cream I truly love, and I think it may have, what do you call it, been discontinued. Baskin-Robbins pink bubblegum ice cream. That was the only ice cream I ever truly loved. So good. It's delicious. I love it. If anyone knows where you can get it, I will love you forever because I think it's been discontinued and I still have dreams about it. Love it. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to 
advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. All right. I have a follow-up question on your first job. What was your worst job ever? Don't say hosting a podcast with me. That would be insulting. (laughs) My worst job ever was cold calling. I was hired by a fuel oil company to call the people who had stopped using their services and to ask them if they wouldn't like to start using their services again. And fully 75% of them were like, you know, Mr. Hugh Cable isn't here right now because he died five years ago. How dare you be calling us? It was awful. I don't think I got one, you know, lead. I don't think I didn't got anybody to sign up again. It was bad. <laughs> you were totally Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You're like, I need the good leads. Oh, it was awful. That's a real theater nerd reference, guys. If you got it, I'm very proud of you. I was going to say I worked one day as a temp at a factory making cardboard boxes. That was the worst job ever. I mean, it was screamingly loud. Like scoring sheets of cardboard into box sizes? I don't know. Somehow we were making cardboard boxes. That was what we were doing at this thing. Like, yes, I don't know. I was on an assembly line. Like it would come to me and I would have to do one thing. I don't remember what it was. And it was like, picture a buzzsaw cutting through a piece of metal. That's the sound (laughs) of the entire place all day long and then the box would come to me and I had to fold something like just a billion times in a row and it truly was that thing of like it must be almost break time and at you know 10 13 I would look at the clock and I'm like okay I'm not gonna look again I'm not gonna look again it must be lunchtime and I would look back it would be like 10 17 like I could not believe how slowly time was going and at lunch break I just ran away I didn't go back I was a waitress for one day I did one shift as a waiter and was like not for me I was you know like struggling actor and making my way in New York City and my I was a temp in offices and my roommate was a waiter and was just like why don't you wait tables it's so much better it's so much this and so cash he got me a job at his restaurant and I worked one day I mean I just got yelled at by the people in the kitchen by the customers there was this arcane system of plates at this restaurant it was not a nice restaurant p.s but it was like if somebody orders the hummus sandwich I have to hand the prep cook when I say hummus sandwich like plate a but if they want a hummus platter it's plate t (laughs) and there were all these different plates and nobody told me like there was no like list there's no system and nobody told me this until I was in it they're like this is the wrong kind of plate it's not a salad then the uh, customers were yelling at me that their food was taking too long and I'm like you got to be kidding me I never went back I don't even think I went back to get my money I think I was done after one shift you just ran away yep Yeah, that's how it was with the box factor. I was like, keep the change. Gotta go. I waited tables a lot. I'm a pretty good waitress. I'm a pretty solid waitress. It's hard. I'm diplomatic, so I get along well with the back of the house and the front (laughs) of the house. I like talking to people. But yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest job. They often do studies where they rank like the most stressful jobs. And waitress is always higher than like brain surgeon because... You have no control. That's what makes waiting tables so stressful. Like as a brain surgeon, if you're a good brain surgeon, you just do your brain surgery and you're good at it. And whatever happens during the brain surgery, you're in charge of. But they say that when you are in a position where you have no control, that's the most stressful. Yes. Makes sense. Yes. Basically, like someone's yelling at you that their burger's not ready. And then you go back to the kitchen and they yell at you to tell them to shut up. And you're just stuck in the middle of two people, you know? You're always in the middle of opposing forces. I really like the Island of the Misfit Toys vibe. We've talked about this before, the B video. And restaurants tend to really be full of Islands of Misfit Toys, and I enjoy that element of it. Like, everyone's, you know doing something else. It's their second job. It's for people who like can't function at an office. I find that aspect of it really, really fun and appealing. I have another good temp story job, which I was for mm, a couple of months. I was a temp in the office of Gary Bettman, who's the commissioner of the National Hockey League. Okay. 
not familiar with Mr. Bettman's work. He's been, well, the crazy thing is, this is a long time ago. I was his assistant for a couple of months. He is still, as of 2020, I think, the commissioner of the National Hockey League. Like This guy was around for a while. And it was a crazy job because he had an assistant who was sort of managing like his schedule and his letterhead or whatever the hell. And I was sort of frontline answering his phones. And it was at the time when the Minnesota North Stars were no longer going to be a team. And the Anaheim, California team came online and they were going to be called the Mighty Ducks because it was after the Disney movie of the same name. So there's the Bad News Bears about terrible baseball players. The Mighty Ducks is like a Bad News Bears except hockey. So Anaheim decided they were going to name their team the Mighty Ducks or Disney decided. And I was the person receiving after I rate phone call because this is so long ago, like there wasn't email or social media. So you would call up the National Hockey League and I would answer the phone and yell at me. And then once in a while, he'd be looking at me in the next room and once in a while he'd be like, put him through (laughs) and he'd talk to them. Like, so they would call to just yell at whoever answered the phone. And then all of a sudden they would be talking to the man. It was a pretty interesting job, mostly because I could not have cared less about hockey or what these teams were or weren't going to be called or who existed and didn't exist. But it was an interesting window into a world about which certain people cared very deeply. You know what I mean? Like, didn't really know this was something that existed, let alone something to be mad about, but hundreds of people were. Yeah, and they were calling you. Mm -hmm. Love it. Mm -hmm. Amy, what's your secret shame show? I cut it out of my life. I love it. You're like, I have excised my secret shame show, and I will... Just in case you need a reference, people, your secret shame show is like uh, love to lock up or whatever, you know, 90 day fiance. You don't really want people to know you watch it, but you're obsessed with it. My uh, secret shame show was Real Housewives of certain varieties only. Yes, of course. There's only certain ones you can watch. Yeah, there's only certain ones I would watch uh, Beverly Hills in New Jersey. I would still watch New Jersey. If you put it on the TV, I would not be able to walk away. But I decided that it was, you know, killing my brain cells and it just wasn't good. And the other thing we had to sort of the secret shame show I had a ban from my house. We talked about this was Dance Moms. My daughter had it on like all the time during the beginning of quarantine. And I just was like, this is just toxic. It's just like toxic, bad energy. It's just women yelling at each other for completely made up reasons. Right. In my open plan kitchen living room. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I, people talk about Dance Moms. I don't know it. Don't start. She liked it because my daughter is a dancer. And it's these, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds who are going to like tournaments every weekend with stage moms behind them and who all sit on the carpeted stairs of like Miss Patty's dance, whatever, and yell at each other about who got a better solo this week or whatever. It's depressing. That's what it is because it's mothers living through their children's quasi-accomplishments. You know what I mean? I feel like all of the secret shame shows are depressing fundamentally. Like it's basically like watching people make bad life choices so that you feel better about yourself. What's your secret shame show? I mean, I think people mostly know that my secret shame show is The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I love them. I get way into them. And is it wrong for women to compete? for a man's attention and a rose it is wrong like do am i proud of it no but i like the bachelor i don't know and and i enjoy it i can't believe i've never started because i know not to you know what i mean like okay there's 25 seasons of this thing i am just not even going to touch it but i am surprised by the number of women who i think really have their act together who love the bachelor or the bachelorette yeah i mean it's a secret shame show i would never say this at a i mean i'm saying it on the podcast but i mean it's not like something i go to the <laughs> it's like i go to a cocktail party and i'm like has anyone seen the bachelor it's such a great show like it's a secret shame show for me and when they show those like house parties where people are like you know you probably don't know this but on the bachelor they often towards the end go and surprise bachelor viewing parties of which you know there's 500 people in a room in the olden times and I'm always like, I'm amazed that these people are willing to be on TV admitting that they like The Bachelor because it's a secret shame show for me, but it is mine. And, you know, judge me if you must. All right. What do you got for me, Amy? I have a good college admissions question. My son right now is applying to college and every college gives you like slightly different essay questions to answer. I think trying to cut the number of applications they get from 100,000 to like 90,000, they make it a little bit of a pain. So 
This was a question that was on one of his applications. There was a bridge on campus. I thought you were going to say, what was your college essay about? And I was going to laugh and be like, do people remember that? But no, you don't remember what your college essay was about, I'm assuming. Uh, I found it recently. So I remember what my college essay was about. It was not good and would not have gotten me into the school I got into now, for sure. It was just very general. It just was like, here are some things about me that I think it took me about 20 minutes to write. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, these take a little more work now. But this question was, there's a bridge on campus of the school, I guess, where kids like go up and like spray paint messages and hang signs and stuff, which they let them do because it's a thing. And they wanted to know, what would you write? What would be your message on that bridge for everybody to see? Hmm. Don't start watching The Bachelor. You'll never get out. (laughs) That's kind of a tough one, right? Sorry. I don't have a celebrity crush. (laughs) I mean, what do people say? Like carpe diem? I don't know. I mean... It's like, what's your personal slogan? I have an expression that I love. It's very useful. It comes from my roommate from college who is, they live in Alaska and her husband has been going up to Alaska to build a house that they're going to move to. And it's really in the wild. Like he has to wear an alarm so that if he falls, he can hit this alarm because there's no one around for like hundreds of miles, basically, you know. I'm exaggerating as usual, but you get it. Very remote cabin. And there's a cabin, what do you call it? Journal, like a log where you write down. And the first day was like, I put up the door frame and I mismeasured it first. So I had to recut it. And he just keeps a journal of how the house construction is going. All this to say, one day she was looking through the log of what he had done. And on one day, it just said in huge letters, attempt nothing. And it was... (laughs) underlined 12 times and it has become such a catchphrase in my life like you know when you're like let's organize a card gift exchange for the teachers and then like everyone's like this is a bad idea because of this and I can't give and why did you say $20 I'm only giving five and then I just think oh my god attempt nothing so that might be what I write on the bridge attempt nothing that's like yeah I'd like to think that I wouldn't do like you only live once or whatever we in college I was in a comedy group with Margaret's sister in college and we saw scrawled somewhere graffiti that said criticize Evan and (laughs) you know we didn't know what it meant but it came like the central like rallying cry of our comedy group for like 10 years was criticize Evan so yeah if you're gonna write something on a bridge it should be really random because it'll stick in people's heads more yeah but I don't think you can write that on your college essay I was recently talking about I used to live among stranger people like I said my people are the misfit toys right like I waited tables and I was in comedy clubs and blah blah and moving to suburbia has been a little bit of a lesson in like reshaping my messaging you know and one time we were at a paint night and I was painting my picture went terribly wrong I decided to improvise and it turned out really looking like a serial killer did it and I turned to somebody next to me and I was like oh, well, I guess when I shoot up the bank on Monday morning, you're going to not be surprised. And she really looked at me with like this complete look of horror. (laughs) Like, why is this lady talking to me about shooting up the bank? And it's like, you have to kind of adjust your messaging to your crowd. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're just meeting people, it's not the right time to make a joke. It is like a, a horrible realization when you realize you've made a joke to somebody who does not have a sense of humor, right? And like, this is gone. Or just doesn't have your frame of reference. You know, it's like it's a different frame of reference. And the jokes that play at 3 a.m. with your comedy store buddies are not the same jokes that play at paint your own picture night at the community center. And it took me a little while to learn that lesson. Conversely, the same jokes that kill with your four-year-old, right, at dinner don't really translate when you try to go back to the comedy club. They don't get it. No. Whose feet are these? (laughs) That my hilarious routine with my baby? It doesn't play at the comedy club. Doesn't work. I have a truly burning question for you, Amy, when we return. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. 
Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, are you ready? I am. You're going to have to think about it. I want a real answer. How long do you survive in the zombie apocalypse? Oh my gosh. I think that I would have some organizational skills, but I think at some point I would kind of be kind of fatalistic about it. Like I was thinking about this watching The Wilds, the show about the desert island. Like at some point, do you just be like, okay, I'm going to die here. So I might as well hurry up. Yeah, that's me. I mean, I always say like, I am not a survivalist. I'm a deadvilist. Like <laughs> I don't want to survive anything. I don't want to. I had a very minor surgery a year ago in a very uncomfortable place. I'm not going to get into it. But I was like, when people say they don't want to live like this, I said to my husband, I'm like, I don't want to live like this. Like, I'm vaguely <laughs> uncomfortable. I would not survive a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I know people who would be great at it, but I have no useful skills. Zero. Yeah. I can't make a fire. I can't kill an animal. I can't cook anything. Like, I would survive zero days. Yeah, I would end up in charge of who's going to have the last, you know, bag of M&Ms from the plane before it crashed or something. And I wouldn't want to. You'd be like, could someone clean these brains up, please? Who left these here after eating them? Why do I have to do everything? Why do I have to always clean up the brains and sharpen the knives? What is something you still want to be when you grow up? Like if you could just start over and do something new and you could be anything, what would you be? Do I have to have skills though? This is my thing. No, 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 no. Like you snap your fingers and you have those skills and you are at the top of your field in this thing. 100% easy. I would like to be a singer. That's, I mean, I would like to be Madonna. I would like to be a huge uh -huh. 80s pop star. That was always my dream. I don't sing very well. Not very talented at dancing. And unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized that like, that's actually not that fun a life. But... When I was young, I mean, we've already discussed that I was a huge Madonna wannabe and like that was my dream. I mean, I would dream about Pierce Brosnan and being Madonna. Those were the two things I wanted to be. I still want to be like a backup singer, which I think is a good life. Like I want to be the do, 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 do. You're on the stage, but you're not famous. Have you watched that documentary? There's a documentary about Doc. Yes, yes. 50 Feet from Stardom or something. It's about backup singers. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. I have an acquaintance, not a friend, who was a massage therapist, and she traveled with a very, very famous band as the massage therapist to the lead singer. I mean, this was legit. The person had back problems from being a rock star, and so she was, they call it like first five or something. It means that you travel, there's five people who are on the like always with the band list. It's like their manager and their blah, blah, whatever. And she was first five with this huge internationally famous band. 
And she did it for a year. And I think it was pretty fun, like private jets. And, you know, what's that famous hotel, like Hotel de Cop or something, you know, like these famous hotels you hear about, like unbelievably luxury accommodations. But the travel would get tiring, don't you think? Yeah, the travel would get tiring. But at least she could like leave the hotel and go about her business and you know what I mean and not have screaming people waiting for her and like no see that's the part I like I like the part of going out to my balcony and everyone screams my name I find that very appealing oh you do want that yeah I remember a realization in college talking to my college roommate about weddings I think and she's like whenever I think about getting married I'm like being in a big dress where you're the center of a hundred people's attention and everyone's staring at you she's like I actually don't think I could do it and I'm like that's my best day. I want that day every day. Like I, I like I like a lot of attention. That's acting. But fame is sort of different. Like I think the lucky people are the people who have the trappings of fame, but not the inability to pump their own gas without somebody taking their picture. Yeah, I guess. I find it extremely appealing, but I bet that it would be a drag in real life. But like, <laughs> you think you do, but right. Yeah, I would want, if I could try any lifestyle for a year, it would be internationally famous pop star. All right. When I grow up, I want to be an FBI profiler catching serial killers. I mean, you do that at home by watching a lot of crime shows. Yeah, I want to be like... Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs. Amy, I'm not here to rain on your parade. But do you know that FBI profiling is has been basically proven to be total junk science? Mine wouldn't be. That there is really no such thing as FBI profiling. Yours would be awesome. Yours would do it. I would solve good crimes. I would solve cold cases. Yeah, they've looked at like a lot of profiles and they're all like, it's a loner white male. That's what they say every time. And then it turns out it's like 36 different people. And it's like, oh, OK, maybe this isn't a thing. But you would be good at it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be good at my imaginary. Don't yuck my yum. I won't yuck your yum. All right. <laughs> good job. You'll love it. What's your favorite smell? Like if you had like, I don't know, do you like candles? And what, what smell would it be? I, as we established on a recent episode, I'm a super sniffer. I can smell yes, everything. Yes. And so I have to be really careful with scents because... I don't wear perfume and I don't like to be around people who wear perfume like it bothers me. So that being said, I do love we have a real tree this year for the first time in years because we always have a plastic tree because we travel at the holidays and I don't want to leave a tree in the living room. And I do like walking out in the morning and smelling that Christmas tree. Mm. That's cozy. I love uh, Mm -hmm. little wood smoke, you know, on a fall day. That's a great smell. We got some Palo Santo incense it's like little sticks of wood that has a really sweet smell and you just light one end of it for like 10 seconds and then you blow it out and it sort of scents your room with a sort of like nice tree smell that's really pleasant but it doesn't have that like cloying vanilla chocolate almond smoothie candle smell that's kind of too much because it's organic because it's real I really like it we had one year where we had a fake tree and I saw I'm sure in Target It was like sticks that you hung inside the tree. They were like little ornaments, but they were pine scent. And I was like, oh, that's nice because then we'll have the pine scent. And two days later, I had to take to my bed for like two days because I was overwhelmed by like that plasticky pine scent. As much as I love, they weren't real. They were chemically pine scented. Right. Like air freshener in a car, pine scented. Yeah. I have that thing where like if I get in a taxi and I see that you know, tree hanging from the rearview mirror, that air freshener. I'm like, I got to get out. I can't. I have motion sickness and odor sensitivity. That's my hell. Like if I'm really bad in this life, I will be on an endless taxi ride with uh, air freshener because I can't handle it. I'm going to have you on my team to solve crimes because I don't have a super sniffer capability. Yeah, I'm like a human bloodhound. I'll be like... Oh, this person did it. They smell like trouble. You're the comic relief on the CSI <laughs> What Fresh Hell show. Here you go. You're quirky. Like you'd have a crazy hairdo, right? And, and funny glasses. And you'd be like, da, 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 but you would be able to solve based on sense. What's a movie that when you come across, you have to watch it all the way through? Hmm. I guess, I mean, it's going to bore you, but I would say Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, that's right. You love Napoleon Dynamite. You know, I've still never seen it. Oh, I mean, why are we even recording this right now? You'd be the kind of thing like, oh, I love this part. Oh, I love this part. Because that's why I wouldn't be able to get up because the next part leads to the next part. Yes. Of Napoleon Dynamite. How about you? Shawshank Redemption. It's my favorite movie ever. I love it so much. My uh, son just had to watch that for, he took a class in high school called Religious Themes in Film. So he learned about 
the religious themes in Shawshank Redemption. And it was one of these things where he's like, so I'm watching this movie. It was really good. What was it? Shawshank Redemption. I was so mad at myself that I hadn't thought of it for one of our sort of quarantine. Let's watch a movie tonight kind of nights. Great movie. I've never watched it with my kids. It's older. I mean, it's a mature movie. Right. My son is 18 years old. That's right. I forget. I'm like, you're a little baby. No, he's 18. He's ready to watch Shawshank Mm -hmm. Redemption. Mm -hmm. I just find that movie so perfect because it is a serious movie that is like deep and dramatic and about things. And then spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption, but it all works out okay. Like, it's just the perfect movie. I love it. I love that movie. I could watch it a million times and never be bored of it. Turn down your Victrola, because I'm um, spoiler alert. Listen, people, take out your ear horns. I'm about to say something controversial. That's a radio picture that has a very, very predictable <laughs> ending. <laughs> all right, Amy, what do you got for me? What is your favorite book that you read in 2020 that is not like for the podcast? It wasn't parenting related. We didn't talk about it on the show already. Can I just do what's my favorite book? Because otherwise I'll have to admit that I don't read anymore. I just watch Twitter. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to do my favorite book of all time. I have two. My two favorite books of all time. I think maybe we have them in the bookshop shop, but if not, we'll add them. I'm going to write them down in case I don't. Yes. Number one favorite book of all time is Life of Pi. I find that book to be absolute perfection. Yes. I love it so much. Have you read it twice? I've read it once. I haven't read it twice. I've read it like 74 times. I could probably recite it from memory. And it holds up to repeated. I just mean in the sort of sixth sense way, when you go back and read it again, it's like, yes, it was all here the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. The experience of reading that book, it took me for people kept being like, this book is great. I read the first hundred pages like four times. Couldn't get into it. Didn't get it. And then at some point, I can picture where I was reading. it. I was lying in my bed in my studio apartment in Los Angeles. I hit the tipping point of that book. And then I read it until like four o'clock in the morning. And I was gasping and like shrieking aloud. I just have rarely had an experience of reading a book that was that perfect. I felt that way about Room. Which is a movie now. So now, like, and once the movie comes out, and I feel like Life of Pi is probably the same way. Once the movie is out and you kind of half know what it's about, it's not the same. But that book was unputdownable. I read it because you recommended it to me. It was a bop, as the kids say. You really couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. My other book is Bel Canto, which is, and I should know who wrote it since it's my favorite book. It's Ann Patchett. It's Ann Patchett. Just one of the greatest books ever. And then my third, I have to put it in because I love it, is Rebecca. I love that book, too. Those are my three all-time favorites. Is Rebecca, was the Hitchcock movie based on the book? Yes. Oh, I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book. Oh, my God. You have to read it. You really should read it. It's so good. Okay. I mean, now that you know what happens, a little less so, but it's so beautifully done. Oh, I love that book is perfection to me. Again, it's a romp. So I had that experience of like gasping during it like I just love something that catches me by surprise I absolutely loved it so I loved a room like that and cat's eye is a book by Margaret Atwood that I've read mm, probably three times I know your sister has also read it multiple times we had a conversation about it once it's about like girls and social aggression is that what you call it like bullying kind of it's kind of about that it's just one of those books like yes this is exactly what it's like to be a human in this situation and I loved it. I don't know that I've read that. I think I read it as like an assignment in college so I probably just like skimmed through it so I could pass the test kind of thing. I don't think I got into it. Loved it. Might have to revisit that one. Loved it. All right, one last burning question for you, Amy. Okay. Your house is on fire. I was going to say like what's another way because I didn't want to say your house was on fire but it is. I'm sorry. Your house is on fire. Kids are out. Husband's out. Everyone's safe. What's the one thing you can go back for in your house? God. I mean, I hope not my like phone or my laptop, right? <laughs> Probably. It probably is your laptop. Let's be honest. That's all there somewhere, right? It's all on the cloud. Until Google. Were you awake yesterday when Google went down for a couple of hours? No, I heard a lot about it, but I wasn't awake for it. Yeah, it was amazing because, as you say, it's like the kind of thing like, oh, there's no power. I'll just make a smoothie. I was like, like, okay, oh, well, I can't do our podcast stuff. So I'll just, you know, look at this college essay my son wanted me to check. Like everything you do. Oh, I'll just fill out the temperature form for my daughter's school. Nope. It was all on Google. Yeah. If that really happens to you, I'm concerned what you would do. Like, you, how would you go on? Cut off from your spreadsheets, Amy. My God. It, right. It was like. Oh, I thought Google was a backup. Not necessarily. So I would grab, this is so cliche, but it's, I think it's true. Our wedding album 
because I got married long enough ago that I don't have those pictures like on my phone, right? Those are from a different time when the photographer sent us proofs and we looked at them. And and I just looked at my wedding album with my kids and my kids were like, oh my God, look at you. Look at this person. The people we're still friends with who were at our wedding, the people who have died, you know, like our kids really poured over it and it seemed like a long time ago for the first time. So I would grab that. That's fun. That's a good one. What would you grab? What would I grab? I guess probably now that you said wedding album, I hadn't really thought about it when I was asking you. I feel like that's like the thing you're supposed to say, but it, we just had this experience. So I, the other things that I would grab, like if I was going away and like I was like, this is the end times, I would grab my comfortable slippers. Like I cannot live without my feet being comfortable in slippers. You can't run in slippers. That's why this zombie apocalypse thing would just not work out. Well, do you know, recently I called Amy and I was like, oh, my God, I broke my foot. I'm on the way to the hospital. It turned out I had just sprained it really badly, but it was due to the slippers. I was wearing my slippers and I was like, my slippers have turned against me. This is the darkest of days, but I would still I have to have slippers. That's a must have item. I don't know that I'd grab them from a fire because I could probably just go to Target. I'm not like very particular about my slippers, <laughs> but I would if it was the end times and I had to get them back. That's what I would grab. Wow. Wow. I learned a lot about you today. Amy, I've never felt closer to you. Yeah. The questions have burned us and yet we have survived. You know, I'm going to do a shout out since we just talked about it to our bookshop bookstore. I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can also just go to bookshop.org and search for the What Fresh Hell shop. It's every guest we've ever had on the show, their books, and just books that you and I really like. I throw on there. So I'm going to put these ones we mentioned today on there if they're not already. Oh, yeah. Put my top three on there if they're not on there. You know, and when you shop from there, you're supporting independent bookstores. You're doing a little bit of good. Love it. Guys, leave us a rating or a review, please. Yep. And find us anywhere on social media by Googling What Fresh Hell Podcast. We're out there as What Fresh Hell Cast or What Fresh Hell Podcast most places. And we will talk to you next week. So long. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.